improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host, Dr. Martin Harvey. I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic. So last week we had, I think probably one of the bigger episodes of Under the Influence where I interviewed Philip Eberle about the situation with the cancellation of the RMIT program, uh, chiropractic program and had a lot of feedback from that. So thanks everybody for being in touch. I appreciate your, I guess, positive comments about the podcast, even though it's overall quite a negative and regrettable situation. But um, yeah, thanks everybody for the feedback. I really appreciate it. Uh, When I say biggest episode, it's already in the top three or four most listened to episodes less than a week after it was released. So yeah, it's um, obviously hit a nerve there. So back to more normal programming today, where we're going to be diving into a listener question about communication confidence. The question's specifically about new graduate, but I'm going to kind of broaden it out. So essentially the question was uh, that the, the chiropractor who's written in has a new associate who's taking over an existing associate's uh, practice and a big concern that he has is that their communication confidence is not super high. Uh, their clinical skills are great, and but particularly in that area of uh, communication confidence around chiropractic and just general sort of small talk confidence is not there and that they uh, feel a bit awkward in their communication. So first of all, how do you improve their communication? And secondly, how do you as an associate Uh, sorry you as a principal bring it up because you can imagine that it's the sort of thing that could actually impact negatively somebody's confidence so kind of tricky situation the way that i want to approach it is to address those issues specifically about that particular scenario a new graduate and the dynamic of you as a principal giving them feedback in a way that's going to be useful rather than to actually negatively impact their confidence. But along the way, I want to make sure that it is a lesson for all of us in terms of how we can increase our communication confidence and increase our certainty in practice generally, because really that's kind of the secret source. That's the most important thing in translating these great clinical skills into actually helping people. You see, people have no real measuring stick for whether you are good at what you do. So they judge on the invisible and probably the most impactful thing in terms of whether people will regard your skills highly early on in a relationship is your confidence and your certainty both in your clinical judgment and also in just your general confidence that that feels like something is that your overall certainty is something that's reassuring to people so remember one of the themes that we often talk about is that idea that people make decisions based on emotion and then need logic to support them and so in uncertain circumstances like a clinical encounter the your certainty your confidence your clarity 
are things that all communicate to that person, yes, this is somebody that I can trust. This is somebody who's an authority. This is somebody who knows what they're doing. So obviously something that is super important. Um, it brings to mind one of my favorite quotes though from James Clear, which is one version of confidence is I've got this figured out. And another version is I can figure this out. And the, the lens through which I'm looking at this is very much the adopting the approach of I can figure this out. So yes, um, my, many of us will have times in our career or you know times during the week where our confidence and certainty is not so high. Um, but we, if we adopt that sort of growth mindset of I can figure this out, then that's um, a, a very humble and open-minded approach. Whereas the I've got this figured out one can very easily come across as arrogant and closed-minded. Um, so James's final sort of points in this quote are be humble about what you know, but confident about what you can learn. And I think that's a really useful frame for us to come into this. So before I get into the actual response, just a couple of announcements. Um, this will have come out just a couple of days before the Grow Your Tribe workshop in Brisbane. There's still some spaces available there. Link is in the show notes. In particular, there's a few programs that are relevant to what I'm going to be talking about today. The Retention Recipe 2.0 is my approach to uh, high-level communication over the first 12 visits, it gives you templates for how you can communicate in a way that connects with people and helps them see the value of chiropractic in terms of helping them with their, their reasons for presenting, but also beyond that into prevention and performance. The Certainty 2.0 workshop is my process for helping you gain clarity around uh, your clinical rules and your paradigm and aligning that with your philosophy and the end result of all that is a fast track to inc increasing your clinical certainty. Um, and I mentioned in this episode the Daily Interactions Workshop, which is a workshop that helps you structure your communication on every visit so that you are efficient with that, but also you're helping connect people to the big picture of chiropractic on a drip, 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 uh, every visit basis. So over to the question. So the um question if we're looking at any skill that needs to be increased whether it's communication skill and adjusting skill or any skill in any domain um, there's a couple of things that are important first of all you've got to do repetitions of it you've got to do the skill and practice it and so when we're talking communication a lot of that's going to be role play but the critical thing that you need to do to fast track that is to get feedback now that feedback can be you consciously thinking about, look, how did that go? What went right? What went wrong? Or it can be someone else's feedback. And so in this scenario where an associate is helping a, sorry, a principal chiropractor is helping an associate, you one of the things that's going to need to be built in there once it's been identified as an issue is some sort of structured practice outside of when you're actually with clients to get your reps up. Now that can be with the principal or it could be with another peer that is going through a similar um, challenge and wanting to upskill. So a couple of different scenarios there. So 
often what we've done with associates in my practice is I've done some role play with them but that's pretty time expensive what I'll often encourage them to do is now that you know and I'm going to go through dot points of the structure of what I would suggest somebody practice but once you've got that if there's a particular skill that they want to practice it's worthwhile getting uh, linking up with somebody else who maybe they went to uni with and then you have the advantage of the associate teaching this other person and the teacher often learns more in having to explain the process but then they can go back and forward and role play and uh, each help each other with structured feedback. So now if we look specifically at the communication confidence piece of this there's a couple of things that I think go into maybe why things can sometimes be awkward. Well first off when you've come out of uni or you're in that first year or so there's a natural tendency for you to to feel a little bit awkward because you there's this concern that look I know I'm inexperienced and I'm, I want to be able to say stuff that shows people that I know what I know um, and also be, being in that kind of uni environment the majority of your interactions have been with other peers and so you've got a skill set of communication or a practice of communication with people who are very much of the same age group of the same interests of the the same everything and then you're thrust into a practice where people are coming from very different educational backgrounds they're coming from very different um, socioeconomic backgrounds different ages and so if you you've sort of made this deep groove of all your communication or the majority of your communication is going to be with people of your who share a similar age and uh, environmental background it can feel awkward and I don't know quite how to connect with these people um, secondly um, they're often very concerned more about what they should say and I'm actually going to suggest one of the key things to improve your communication is to actually get away from being so concerned about what you should say and be more um, concerned about what the other person's perspective is on things so it's going to be structured more around questions than around necessarily what you have to say now I mentioned earlier in terms of the um, communication the retention recipe 2.0 and the daily interactions workshops are really good resources here if you're wanting to go deep into that um, but bottom line if we look at the chiropractic communication the you know I, I mentioned earlier that focusing on the questions is kind of a core part of building up uh, confidence and reducing awkwardness I'll come back to that in a minute there are certain things that you will need to say um, about chiropractic now the core thing that makes for efficient effective communication whether we're talking what you do in the first 12 visits what you do in the 100th visit what you do in a, a reassessment what you do at a workshop etc etc the core to effectively communicating the value of chiropractic is linking what is important to them to chiropractic now there's some questions that you can ask to get insight into what's important to them but if we just look at we understand let's say for this person we know that what's important to them is playing golf um, then the basic structure of 
helping chiropractic be relevant to them is then to link it to what their level of health belief is. So if they're somebody who's more at that pain level of health belief, we need to connect chiropractic to chiropractic's going to be a great way. And this plan that I've outlined, the value of it is that it's going to help you be able to get back to playing golf. And then if we want to bridge to a higher level of health awareness, then the sort of core structure for that is that, and we need to minimize the chance of um, the underlying problem coming back so that you're not, you go back to not being able to play golf. And then later down that journey, if we're really the, the core of the communication approach that we're looking for um, in terms of ongoing care is that performance level of health awareness, which is essentially communicating chiropractic as chiropractic can help you be able to do better at golf um, and be able to um, ensure that you can play um, moving forward as you get older. Um, so if we look at a different example, if we will look at um, somebody who's a young mum and looking after kids, it's the same basic structure. If we're going to be talking in a pain or problem context about chiropractic helping them getting back to being able to look after their kids the way they want and be able to look after their kids without uh, feeling limited in it. Um, and then prevention is about minimising the chance of them going back to not being able to enjoy their time with their kids. And performance is going to be about helping them um, have that energy and um, even moods that are needed to um, keep up with busy and growing kids. So the other element of communication, and I think this is a big part of what was being referenced in the original question, is that confidence, not so much in I know how to do a report of findings and those sort of things that can be practiced, but just in that small talk, that sort of social connection, that ease of I can relate to people across a range of different sort of types or, or, or ages or interests or whatever. And part of this is just practice with uh, interacting with people from a lot of different um, backgrounds and values, etc. cetera. Um, and uh, the key here though, is to kind of almost flip that focus from what am I going to say to what can I ask? And coupled with that, I believe the key to getting rid of that awkwardness um, is to look at the attitude that you're coming into it. And so I'd encourage the associate who might be finding this sort of small talk communication to come in with an attitude of curiosity or the idea of sort of going on a treasure hunt. So it's less about what you say, like you don't really need to add anything into the information. Um, just focus on well, what can you uncover and learn about this person. So what it does, so the awkwardness is often a self-consciousness of I'm concerned about what they're going to think about me because of what, what have I got to add in this situation. Um, and in particular, it can be focused on that thing of in a, in a clinical context, uh, I sort of feel like they all know that I don't know much yet, that I haven't been doing this long yet, or that I don't know their particular situation. Um, what this attitude changes then is it's no longer a focus on you and the focus is all on them. Now, the psychological background to this is that people who are seen to be great communicators 
typically are people who are great listeners. And the precursor to being a great listener is being good or at least persistent in asking really simple questions and in particular open-ended questions, i.e. questions that can't be answered with a yes or no answer. So in a practice context, I love the questions of what's new in your world or what's on for the weekend. They're great questions because they're very open-ended. They focus on the other person. They also tend to, the things that people tend to bring up are the things that are most important to them. Now, what's new on your world or how's your week been can be really good questions, but they're often, they're, they're likely to bring up the thing that are, is most recent, the what's on for the weekend or what did you get up to on the weekend are great questions to get insight into what's important in someone's world. Because the truth is, um, I think that there's some quite big value surveys done where it's about 9% of people, their work is a high value for them, which is often a disconnect for us as chiropractors, because for many of us, particularly the ones who are spending their leisure time listening to a podcast about chiropractic, our chiropractic is an incredibly important part of us. It's one of our core lifestyle values. Um, but And so we have that curse of assumption that we assume that other people see the world that we do. But 90, more than 90% of people, their work is not something that they love doing. It's not a core part of them. It's something that they do to be able to do the things that are important to them. And what they get up to on the weekend tends to be the things that they are spending their uh, their spare, their, their available resources on. So it gives us an insight into, is it golf? Is it their kids? Is it gardening? Is it something else? And then if we adopt that attitude of curiosity, if we're going on a treasure hunt, it doesn't have to be something that we're into. I don't have any interest in golf, but I can ask more questions. I can say, okay, so where do you play? How long have you been playing? Do you have a handicap? Do you play with friends? Do you play by yourself? Do you you know, what's the best course you've ever played on? What's the best score you've ever got? There's a million questions that we can ask about them. Um, so the basic structure is how long have you been into whatever they bring up to up? What's the best part about it? Um, and then if we look at things like uh, some of the ones that are maybe less obviously as a hobby, I guess. Um, so the things that, the most common things, if we look at the things that people do tend to value, it tends to be family, in particular relationship with kids. With that, it's pretty obvious how many kids, how old, uh, what school, what are they into, how do they get along, etc., etc. And you, you can very quickly get a picture of it. But at the same time, you're creating a connection with this person because you're asking about the thing that's most important to them. And that tends to uh, obviate that sense of awkwardness that we were talking about in the initial question. Um, if the, the ones that can be trickier are sometimes things like, you know, they're, they're, what they got up to on the weekend was, you know, a whole lot of social stuff. Um, and in that scenario, particularly in places like Melbourne where I live, um, a lot of the discussion can be around favourite restaurants, favourite cafes, those type of things where there's a real food and coffee culture here and um, asking questions. You don't have to be into it yourself, but asking questions about uh, where did you go? What's your favourite? What sort of food do you like? Where's your favourite cafe? Those sort of things can be a real 
uh, opportunity to connect and create that small tech talk. Um, so in terms of getting practice, the chiropractic communication, I strongly recommend that you role play. Um, this type of small talk, this interpersonal sort of social lubricant of just asking good questions at, and with an uh, attitude of curiosity. Actually, I should double click on that. Really important with this is that this is you're using a, a uh, an approach of curiosity rather than it being an inquisition. So asking questions in, in and the tone is one of curiosity. I'm just, oh, wow, I haven't heard of that. What Tell me more about that rather than bombarding somebody with 50 questions. So looping back, how do we practice this sort of small talk? Well, this is the sort of stuff that you can do in practice really easily. And chiropractors are sometimes critical of, you know, when they're in the practice, it should be about chiropractic. I think that's bullshit. I actually think nobody out there really gives a shit about chiropractic. What they care about are the things that are important to them. And so our job is to find out what's important to them and then do the linking of how chiropractic can be valuable for them in regard to what they've already indicated is important to them. So the other part, this is now, if you are in that stage um, where you are feeling like, oh, I'm just, I'm just sort of awkward with people who I don't already share my values, then you can practice this skill everywhere from the person who serves you at your local cafe to if you're waiting in line at the movies, you can talk to somebody to um, just any environment that you are in. You're on a on a plane, you're on a train, you can strike up, strike up a conversation with anybody. And the more times you push outside of that slight sense of reservation of uh, making that initial question, the easier that it gets. It's that repetition that drives it. Um, so now in terms of the clinical confidence piece of it, so people who are new in practice particularly, but people anytime, um, having more clinical certainty is a really desirable thing. So um, I did a whole episode on it, so I'm not going to go back over it, but episode 33 of the podcast, exactly how to increase your certainty will give you the exact pathway. But the, the core idea of it is that you grow your clinical confidence when you have rules that tell you exactly what you should be doing in a given circumstance. If somebody is clinical, if their symptoms aren't improving, having rules around whether it's just a matter of continuing on or whether they need to be referred out, having a rule that defines that, that, that what clinical tests have to show for you to make a decision on that means that you can approach it with a lot of confidence. Um, so really what we're looking there, the basic structure that we're looking at for that clinical confidence is that we want to, first of all, decide what we believe chiropractic is about. So start with the philosophy, and then we want a paradigm. So a model of subluxation and um, th these clinical rules that I'm talking about that define this is what we are about. This is how we are playing the game. And then we want our procedures, so the clinical procedures that we do and the communication procedures that we do to align with all of that. So that will sound really, really abstract for today, um, but I'm going to leave it at that because the focus of today is more on that communication piece of it. The final bit that 
the initial question really asked was like, how do I bring this up? And um, it can be awkward. We, there's uh, a sense in which if this is done poorly, it would be easy to make that person feel judged and feel more awkward because they're, they're being told that they're, they're not good enough at something. What depersonalizes it is um, if you have a structure for giving feedback. So uh, what I like is a um, regular process of assessment and feedback that is designed around helping somebody grow and do better in practice. And so it's pretty simple. You just create a survey that lists the characteristics and skills that are important in being a really highly effective chiropractor. And it can be things like confidence in small talk, confidence in uh, XYZ, ability to do an effective report of findings. And you can just break it down into all the various component parts. The most critical thing though, because it, it's less about exactly what the makeup of that survey is, it's actually the process of review that I think is most important. And that the key thing here is that both the person being assessed, so in this case the associate should fill in an assessment of their skills and characteristics in each of the area and the principal should do that as well. So and the, the goal here is that if somebody self-assesses that they are not, don't have a high level of skill at a certain area and you agree with them, then that's people don't take that personally. We're both agreeing that this is an area that you could improve in. Now, the exact mechanics of whether you do a zero to 10 scale or a zero to five scale or a uh, four, um, okay, excellent scale, it doesn't really matter. You just want to put the two surveys next to each other, highlight areas where both of you agree that they're doing really well, highlight areas where both of you agree that there's uh, a deficit or an area that can be improved and then discuss areas where there's a disparity either they the associates uh, rated themselves highly and the principal has rated them more lowly or vice versa discuss them so that you come to an agreement around that and then the key thing then I would say is you want to decide what the points of focus are. So in this scenario, I would assume that the agreement is going to be, all right, it's going to, it's about that confidence and uh, it, with small talk in the, the practice. And then the, well, what's the action steps? Well, the action steps are going to be, I'm going to, here's this template for how you can increase your skills in that area. And then there's a structure for, well, let's redo this assessment in three months time and we'll see where we're at. So there we have it, how to increase your confidence in communication in chiropractic. Bottom line, it's about practice. Um, it's also about mindset, and that's both a growth mindset of even if you feel like you do have confidence, adopting an approach of, but I can do better. Or if you feel like you don't have confidence in that area, recognizing that you do have the capacity to improve those skills and approaching that open mind with that open mind. Um, and then we discussed a specific structure around the, the chiropractic part of it, and then a base and a broad structure using open uh, curiosity and open-ended questions 
as the way of starting your journey into mastering the soft art of small talk. So thanks for listening to Under the Influence. I'll catch you again next week. If you liked today's episode, then you will love the Retention Recipe 2.0. It's an online workshop that is broken into 33 lessons and has over seven hours of content, which will teach you to confidently communicate the value of proactive chiropractic in the first 12 visits. So if we want to have long-term retention, if we want people to stay with us for months, years, and reap the really amazing health benefits that happen with long-term chiropractic care, we need to set the foundation for that in the first 12 visits. So the approaches in the retention recipe 2.0 are based on state-of-the-art influence strategies that are effective, ethical, and they're enjoyable to use. They will help you to have more fun, less stress, and increase your retention, which means more practice growth and less always being on the hunt for new people. Check it out in the link in the show notes. If you liked today's episode, then you will love the Retention Recipe 2.0. It's an online workshop that is broken into 33